Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Tuesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Oh, I 
Shalom <laughs> Oh, 
گد Sotchum tabar le sander, o 
הולך והולך, נים לא נים, ער לא ער, הוא פוער פילטל מאוהב בחיים, טוב לחיות כך על הגובה. I think that came from the uh, it's my network and I'll uh, play whatever I want whenever I want department. <laughs> I, I know it goes back about, what, 40, 45 years. Uh, but I just had a – I actually went into the other room and, and dug out that Power of Our Rib CD just to play those two songs. Why I had an urge this morning, I have no idea. Uh, but you may remember that the Power of Our Rim, who released over the years, it must be – I mean, they must have had, I'm just thinking, I don't know, 15, 16 albums, something like that. And, um, and uh, on, their, uh, on the 8-CD box set, and I think each CD has two albums, if I'm not mistaken. Anyway, so um, they're, uh, on their fifth disc, they have the entire collection of the Parvarim Singh, Simon, and Garfunkel. So Alagova, of course, is feeling groovy, and America is America, and I just I just wanted to get those two on for some reason this morning, and I'm honestly not quite sure why. Uh, before the Parvarim, you heard Shal Shales with O.G. Shama Hillel. That was the Yeshiva Boys Choir. Avremel had Zelazeh Imeshkachech, Avram Rosenblum, and of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Tuesday, and this December the 29th, day 14 in the month of Teves. The year 5781, Tufshin Pei Aleph, final Tuesday of this 2020, which many people are hoping comes to an abrupt close. Well, it will. Thursday night, it will come to an abrupt close at around midnight. <laughs> 38 degrees, 55% humidity, winds are west at 7 miles per hour. Mo- uh, mostly sunny today with a high temperature of 40. Then tonight, clouds and a low 27. Tomorrow, cloudy weather. High temperature, 43 degrees. 58 right now in Yerushalayim. We're at 38 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. Well, tonight is the One Israel Fund event, and I'm looking forward to hosting it. It's the We Are One event with great entertainment and the wonderful honorees. Uh, Elizabeth Savetsky is going to be part of it. God Elbaz, Naftali Bennett, Caroline Glick. Uh, it's all happening tonight. Go to oneisraelfund.org slash are one oneisraelfund.org slash are one But what always gets us going and what really is so heartwarming is watching a worthy organization go through their crowdfunding campaign, announce a goal of $360,000. With 16 hours to go, they are at $242,000. Big, big yeshikach to everybody who's coming through. 
and I mean everybody. And there's some great donations coming up uh, as I watch the ticker go by. Almost 500 people have already donated. So if you have not yet tossed in a donation to uh, One Israel Fund for their event tonight, here's the website where you could do it. It's raise.it, R-A-Y-Z-E dot I-T, R-A-Y-Z-E dot I-T slash we are one. You just go there and uh, and make a donation, get them closer and closer to their goal. Anyway, so I look, I look, I am looking forward to 8 p.m. tonight when I host the event. Should be a um, very inspiring night. We feel very disconnected from Israel, from Judea and Samaria uh, over the last many, many months. For me, it's now officially over a year because uh, I left Israel on a Sarabateves. So now it's officially over a year since I've been there. And we feel so disconnected. An event like tonight can really help us feel connected. So make sure to be part of it. Again, it's oneisraelfund.org slash we are one. Oneisraelfund.org slash we are one. And we're looking forward to uh, participating tonight. JM in the AM, Tuesday morning broadcast. And... um, This one comes from Leviathan.
I'm 
אלוקים נתן לך במתנה. דבר גדול, דבר נפלא. אלוקים נתן לך במתנה את החיים על פני האדמה. נתן לך את הלילה והיום, אהבה, תקווה וחלום, קיץ חורף סתם.
אלוקים, תן לי רק עוד מתנה. מתנה קטנה, אך נפלאה. אלוקים, תן לי רק עוד מתנה. את השלום על פני האדמה. I've shed my tears Through the darkest years But the journey is still on my mind This was my faith My bones in the prison of time And fortune came Like a dream one day I finally learned how to smile Am I still my sweet father's child? Cause I've been alone, I've been afraid I've been locked up and thrown away But now I am free
JM in the AM. Yosef Chaim wrapping up the hour with Asei Lamancha. Ani Yosef done by Eli Schwebel. Yaakov Shwekin Elohim Natan. That's brand new. Idan Chadash, brand new from Dovi Shapiro. Pure Soul had Mo Dim and you heard Leviathan with Bowie Vishalom. Tuesday morning, it is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. It's Tuesday on this December the 29th, the 14th day in the month of Teves, the year 5781. Tufshin Pei Aleph, Galitzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up. The One Israel Fund event is tonight. Oneisraelfund.org slash we are one. Make sure you're with us at 8 p.m. Eastern time tonight. And um, join our virtual gala. Should be a lot of fun and should be a very inspiring night, especially for those of us who've been separated from Israel for so long. Mostly sunny, high today 40, clouds tonight, low 27, cloudy for tomorrow with a high of 43. We're showing right now at 58. We're at 38 in New York City here at JM and the AM. Keep in mind, year-end donations. The year ends on Thursday. Support us by going to fjbunity.org. Again, support JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Go to fjbunity.org. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. Newscast next. Galay Tzal, Mirushalayim, Asha'a 2. Shalom, Rav Lachem, Kanoam, Avirami, Ma Shekore Akshav. Mivtza Latet Katef. Lemala me 20% Mibnei Ashishim Vamala Kvar Hitchasnu Lekorona. מדווח כתבנו לענייני בריאות, יובל סגב. 21% מאזרחי ישראל שעברו את גיל 60 קיבלו את מנת החיסון הראשונה של חברת פייזר. חצי מיליון ישראלים כבר הגיעו לקבל חיסון והם מהווים למעלה מחמישה וחצי אחוזים מהאוכלוסייה. מקרב חמישה עשר היישובים בהם אחוז ההתחסנות הוא הנמוך ביותר בארץ. 12 נמצאים במגזר הערבי והבדואי ושלושה במגזר החרדי. בחירות מרס 2021, יושב ראש תקווה חדשה, גדעון סער, תוקף את ראש הממשלה ואומר אצל אמיר איבגי, נתניהו הוביל אותנו לכישלון, רק החלפתו תביא ליציבות. הוא לא פסול, אלא צריך להחליף אותו. השיטה שבה מי שמציג את עצמו כאלטרנטיבה מזדחה לשלטון אחר כך, היא שיטה שלא עולה בקנה אחד עם המהות הדמוקרטית. זה לא חוק... טבע שנתניהו יהיה ראש ממשלה. מי שיושב עם גנץ לנתניהו. משפט נתניהו, בית המשפט המחוזי בירושלים הורה לפרקליטות להעביר לידי סנגורי ראש הממשלה את אישור היועץ המשפטי לממשלה לפתוח בחקירה. כתבנו לענייני משפט יובל הראל. שופטי ההרכב במשפט ראש הממשלה דחו את עמדת הפרקליטות וקבעו כי האישורים שנתן היועץ המשפטי לממשלה מנדבליט בזמנו לפתוח בחקירה הם חומרי חקירה לכל דבר ולכן יש להעבירם להגנה תוך שבוע. מהפרקליטות נמסר בתגובה, אישורי היועץ המשפטי לממשלה לחקירות ניתנו כדין. יודגש כל שאר בקשות ההגנה לקבלת חומרי חקירה נוספים נדחו לשון התגובה. הוזלה בתעריפי החשמל. מ-1 בינואר יוזל המחיר ב-2% ו-3 עשיריות. 
מדווחת כתבתנו איילת ברון. רשות החשמל מעדכנת היום כי התעריף למשק הבית הממוצע ירד ל-43 שקלים ו-30 אגורות לקילוואט שעתי, הוזלה של עשרות שקלים בחשבון החשמל השנתי. הוזלת התעריף מתאפשרת בעקבות ההכנסות לחברת החשמל ממכירת תחנת הכוח רמת חובב ומירידה במחירי הגז הטבעי. רמי לוי בדרך להיות בעל השליטה החדש בחברת ישראייר. לוי שיפר את הצעתו ברגע האחרון והציע לרכוש את החברה בסכום של 162 מיליון שקלים. בעלי אגרות חוב בחברת איי.די.ב בחרו בהצעתו ברוב קולות. כתבתנו לענייני תעופה עינב קרנר מוסרת שביום ראשון צפוי להתקיים דיון בבית המשפט ובו יוכרע סופית מי יהיה בעל השליטה בישראל. מזג האוויר עלייה בטמפרטורות, ולסיום, באיזו עיר איכות החיים הטובה ביותר? כתבנו יותם פוגל עם דירוג איכות החיים בערים הגדולות בישראל. כפר סבא ניצבת בראש הדירוג עם הובלה במרבית המדדים. מתוך 16 הערים הגדולות בארץ, ירושלים זכתה לציון הכללי הנמוך ביותר, אך דווקא בה דווח הכי פחות על תחושות בדידות ודיכאון. תל אביב הגיעה למקום הרביעי. הדירוג מורכב מ-38 מדדים, כגון שיעור התעסוקה וההשכלה, תוחלת חיים ושביעות רצון כללית. ואלה החדשות שעורך מירושלים בשמחה, רועי ולד. Silence isn't quiet And it feels like It's getting hard to breathe And I know you feel like Dying But I promise We'll take the world To its feet And our eyes, oh, our eyes. 
that we have each other. Fight of the ache, I'll rise up And we'll do it a thousand times again And we'll rise up high like the waves We'll rise up in spite of the ache We'll rise up and we'll do it a thousand times again הכל מתנקז אליי, עניין של זוויות. אני לא מבין רמזים אולי, צבעים ואותיות. מבט חטוף אל עצמי ודי, רק לא להסתכל. מה שבפנים כבר בפנים מדי, קוראים לזה רגל. Oh 
The Rebo medley, as it's known, that's uh, Avi Peretz and Moshe Tischler together at JM in the AM. Rise up. That was Shalom Lemmer, Tuesday morning. Hello, hello. Thanks for joining us. Great music and more here at JM in the AM. And I thank all of you for uh, for tuning in. Uh, big shout out to our friends at Aaron's Casino Farms. Out in Queens, CasinoFarms.com and Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey, Aaron'sWestOrange.com. If you're looking for a great shopping experience with everything under one roof, with wonderful specials and more, and weekly emails that keep you up to date on all those specials, then you want to get to Aaron's Casino Farms in Queens and Aaron's West Orange in New Jersey. Go to CasinoFarms.com, go to uh, Aaron'sWestOrange.com for details, and enjoy a great shopping experience. Our friends at Art Scroll are giving you 10% off free shipping and no minimum when you use promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com. Always use promo code radio. Always use promo code radio. Simple as that. In this case, 10% off free shipping, no minimum across the board. Always use promo code radio. Go to artscroll.com and enjoy. Um, this portion of NSN programming brought to you by our friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, beef fry, kishka, and more. And modern better for you kosher products, including no nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other 
unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today at kosherdogs.net. Save 10% when you use promo code radio. Thank you, A&H.
Ashira la Hashem ki gamal alai. 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 Hatov ki lo chalu rachamecha Ve'amrachem ki lo tamu chasadecha Hatov ki lo chalu rachamecha Ve'amrachem ki lo tamu chasadecha Shira la Hashem כי גמל עליי, אשיר על השם. כי גמל עליי, אשיר על השם. כי גמל עליי, אשיר על השם. כי גמל Yo, yo. 
JM and the AM. Regash off volume 11 with Yosef. Ashira done by Izzy Kiefer and friends. Shim Kramer had Shalom Rav. Tuesday morning, it's JM and the AM. Hello, hello. Don't forget Partners in Torah is waiting for you to become a student or a mentor. Those of you out there who would like to explore, or if you know somebody who you work with or you're related to, would like to explore more of their heritage and tradition, Partners in Torah will make sure that they are matched up with an appropriate mentor. If you'd like to be a mentor, and believe you me, it's a lot easier than you think uh, in terms of uh, actually having an influence and being able to uh, help educate somebody who'd uh, like to learn more. Uh, go to partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org. So students and mentors, go to partnersintorah.org. Take on the commitment. It's a weekly commitment and one that will change your life and will uh, lead to a lot of uh, tremendous inspiration for you and your family. Partnersintorah.org, partnersintorah.org, or 1-800-STUDY-42, 1-800-STUDY, the number four, and then the number two. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, Echonishmas HaRav Zebnerbis of Alevi, Echonishmas Esther Basarbis of Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. Good morning. It is interesting that we find in the Parsha, Lo Yocho Yosef Lehisapek Lecholanitzavim. Yosef could not restrain himself in the presence of all of those that stood before him. Vayikra, and he called out, Hotziu kol ish me'olai, take everybody out of here. Vlo amad ish ito, bisvada Yosef elechov. And no one remained with him when Yosef made himself known to his brothers. The Orachayim asked the question, why is it that after all of these years, 22 years, Yosef did not try to reach his father. Why is it at this point, he simply could not restrain himself one moment? What happened? The answer is that the Bnei Yisafsa tells us there was a cherim on him. He could not reveal that he had been sold. Since he thought that he had been put in cherim, he was not allowed to communicate. It wasn't until Yosef saw them. He was still afraid that perhaps he was in cherim. But once he saw that they were acting kindly, he realized that perhaps he was no longer under a cherim. So he said everybody should leave because he was still afraid that maybe he wasn't allowed to reveal anything. Only when he understood from their words that they had been appeased and they were matter the cherim, could he tell Yaakov. This is fascinating. Who was the one that should have been put in cherim? One would question it. Yosef was the one that was sold into slavery, that suffered all the years, that was put into prison, that was almost left to die. The Shivtei his brothers are the ones that sold him into slavery, that left him to die, that gave him all the years that he was in prison. They were the ones that started it. If anybody, perhaps we would think that they would be put in Cherim. I would like to say, that this is how a person should live life. Even if we know that we are 100% right and the other person is 100% wrong, we should view it as though they are the ones that are right and perhaps I did something wrong. If we live life in that way, then we are mocha, we are forgiving, we are mevater, we are willing to give up. And because of that, it makes us a better person, a person that will always ensure that there is peace in Shalom 
in the world. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. As, I, uh, as I'm uh, set to introduce uh, Dr. Kalish, uh, it just reminded myself that I believe Rabbi Goldwasser is actually one of the uh, instructors and rabbis in the Turo College system. The Turo College and University system with with an incredible number of students is America's largest not-for-profit independent institution of higher and professional education under Jewish auspices. Was founded in uh, 1971, and um, Dr. Alan Kadish, a prominent cardiologist, dedicated teacher, prolific researcher, and experienced administrator, is the president of the Turo College and University System. Dr. Kalish, a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. One of the first people we spoke to when COVID-19 came to the United States was you, and that was many, many months ago. Before we talk about uh, COVID-19 and the vaccine, uh, tell me how the tens of thousands of students in the Turo College and University System have been adjusting to this new reality. It's been difficult for everyone, but overall, I think they're doing pretty well. We managed to convert 90% of education to remote education almost overnight around Purim time. Wow. And uh, there are, of course, clinical experiences and a few laboratories that, and, that have been in person in the spring. In the fall, we have a few classes that are also meeting in person under carefully controlled circumstances. Most of the students are learning remotely, and most of them have adapted very well. We've done surveys of the students, and the overwhelming majority feel like they've gotten a quality education remotely. That doesn't mean we're not anxious to get back to things as they were, or almost as they were, but by and large, the students are doing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. Everybody wants to get back to as close to normal as possible. One of the methods, one of the ways, one of the avenues to accomplish that is, of course, the vaccine. And uh, it's interesting that uh, when we speak to people in the world of politics, those who analyze the news of the day, uh, we pick up a lot of skepticism about the vaccine. Interestingly enough, when we've spoken to people in the medical field, we get very little other than enthusiasm for the vaccine. Where do you, Dr. Alan Kadish, fall on the enthusiastic level of the uh, current vaccine? I think uh, the vaccine has been uh, an amazing journey of science, medicine, and society. It's, I'm very much in favor of people receiving the vaccine. I think it's been both vaccines that are currently available in the United States have been extensively tested. Uh, there have been a few allergic reactions, a handful, uh, to one of the components of the vaccine. We think it's something called polyethylene glycol. Um, but um, overall, uh, the data on vaccine efficacy are about 95% with very, very rare significant side effects. And uh, it seems to protect people from getting coronavirus disease. And even the ones who get it seem to have mild cases. So I'm a strong proponent of getting the vaccine as soon as it's legally and reasonably possible. And I think uh, the skepticism uh, arises from two different areas. One um, is 
there's a group of people who are skeptical about, quote, foreign substances and vaccines in general. Uh, I think uh, those concerns we've talked about regarding measles and other things, I think those concerns are overblown. We always need to be careful about therapies that we administer or vaccines that we administer, and that's why they're extensively tested. Uh, but there's a group of people who just don't believe in vaccines in general. And then there's a group of people who object to certain policies of people involved in developing the vaccine. And so up till recently had had something invested in suggesting that there's something negative about the vaccines. I think the politics piece is going away. When you look at even people who said that they were concerned about it, once the vaccine's available, they seem to be taking it. Um, and I think the, you know, those who are generally opposed to vaccination for a variety of reasons, none of which I think are well-founded, but um, you know, some of those are well-meaning people. Um, I think, uh, I think uh, I'm hoping that resistance to the vaccine goes away because I think it's very, very important that we achieve herd immunity as soon as possible. Dr. Alan Kadish with us, president of Turo College. Can a regular person like myself understand the difference between the two vaccines that are out there right now? I, or I would need a medical degree just to simply understand the difference in the makeup and the ingredients, so to speak, of the vaccine. Uh, you know, I'm, uh, it's not, I don't think necessarily that a medical degree would help. I think the vaccines are pretty similar. The two, one by, uh, one by made by Pfizer and the other by Moderna are very similar. They both um, use a very unusual mechanism to create a vaccine, or at least one that hasn't been used previously, which is that there's a little piece of genetic material that then the body uses to create proteins against which it creates antibodies. So it's, it's a creative way to produce a lot of immunity pretty quickly. Um, both of them target the same region of the virus, which is the protein that the virus uses to attach to cells and attack cells, something called the spike protein. Um, where, where they differ a little bit is they differ in the which part of that protein they attack. Um, the Pfizer one, which is a little better described, um, is a compilation of several antibodies. So it's not just one antibody, but it attacks several parts of the spike protein. seems the Moderna vaccine works the same way. So I don't, uh, I don't think that there's much in the way of technical knowledge that distinguishes them. They attack, they're slightly different antibodies that attack that same protein. Uh, when people express shock at how fast this vaccine was developed, uh, somebody uh, on the air with us from the medical field said you don't realize that, that so much of what uh, has been developed over the last year was really researched and in a way developed over the last two decades. And people need to understand that type of ongoing research is, is in fact, ongoing and that, uh, you know, eventually when you need that research, it's available. Uh, is that the way you would describe it? Do we go back years and years uh, to get to the source of where some of the very important aspects of this vaccine started to develop? Absolutely. Um, in order to develop the two vaccines that are currently available in the United States, although under limited availability, um, we had to understand how genetic material works. We had to understand how to manipulate it, how to build it, and then how this particular type of vaccine could then work to help the body produce antibodies. So there was a huge amount of work that went on. But I think the other point I would make about the rapid development of the vaccine is 
the tremendous extent of which resources that were plowed in, both as part of the U.S. government's initiative, Operation Warp Speed, and by private companies like Pfizer, billions and billions of dollars, tens of thousands of researchers working full-time to help address the COVID pandemic. And the combination of the knowledge acquired and the resources put in means that the vaccine could be developed quickly. And it's understanding that both of those things that should help diffuse some of the skepticism about how the fact that the vaccine was developed so quickly that maybe it was a rush job. Unbelievable knowledge, advances in science, and a tremendous extent of resources were put in to help build these vaccines. Dr. Alan Kadish is with us. I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. Go ahead. No, no, that's good. President of Turo College, when you talk about the speed, and you know that Turo College has quite an imprint in Israel, I'm wondering what you think of the speed with which people are being inoculated there and how they may be the first country, I would guess, at this point that would really be able to declare themselves completely open down the road because of the speed that's going on over there. So it, it has been tremendous. Uh, the vaccine is uh, much more widely available in Israel than it is in the United States. And I think there are three reasons for that. Um, one is, of course, it's a smaller population. It makes it easier to address. Um, the second is that uh, in there are advantages and disadvantages to different kinds of healthcare systems. I don't want to get too deep into politics here. But for this particular um, application, which is getting the vaccine into people's hands as quickly as possible, um, the fact that they have a more centralized healthcare system with essentially four different coupot health maintenance organizations, insurers that take care of everybody, that makes it easier to distribute the vaccine. And finally, the Israeli government has done a great job negotiating uh, with companies that uh, have a good relationship with Israel for a variety of reasons in getting the vaccine into Israel. We talk about the herd immunity, and um, our our government officials are starting to, you know, hint to the fact that even with the vaccine becoming um, uh, more uh, more available, nonetheless, we're still going to have to adhere to certain restrictions over the next few months. I mean, at what point do you think the social distancing, mask wearing, all the things that, you know, that at the moment are, you know, such important parts of our lives, when do you think that we're going to move on from those? How many months will it take? So my best guess is uh, the fall of 21. Right. Um, And I say that for the following reasons. And uh, there are also some caveats to that. Um, it's taking a while to get the vaccine out there. Uh, people are talking about having adequate doses for the general population in the spring or second quarter of 21. Um, and then to wait for everyone to get it and to get herd immunity, I think we're looking at the fall, assuming things go well. Uh, it's assuming that um, the, the allergic reactions remain minimal and that there are no significant mutations of the vaccine, of the virus that affect and alter the effectiveness of the vaccine. But I think if I had to pick a sort of average case scenario, it would be the fall of 21. Do we completely go back to normal at that point? I think it's a little too early to say that, but I think uh, when we've talked within the organization, for example, about when do we think we can have an indoor dinner, uh, my, our best guess is that we can do it in the fall. 
So a regular, normal campus experience, which again, I would bet your thousands of students are craving, and, and so many students around the country in general are craving, it is possible in your estimation that when we get to Labor Day, we could be starting a very close to normal campus experience. So uh, the answer is yes, but with two qualifications. One is, as I said, I think there's still going to be some restrictions depending on where in herd immunity we are. But the second is there's a lot of talk about the potential for changes in higher education. Um, Students, I think, at least those that have access to the right resources, and so I'm not talking about K through 12 where there have been some issues uh, in students having the right environment to study at home, but in in the higher education environment, um, I think people are more comfortable with remote learning than they thought they would be. Um, and uh, I think there are a couple of reasons for that. One is uh, we and other colleges have recognized, uh, and we've been doing this for years, um, that remote learning doesn't just mean you record a lecture and you play it for the students. There's a possibility of incorporating active learning, watching media pulling down information from the Internet in ways that can enhance the remote learning experience. So it's not just sitting and listening to a lecture, but there are discussion groups, there are chat rooms, there's access to Internet resources. When you design a course for remote learning, it's very different from just recording a lecture. Mm. Um, And so my sense is, certainly in our experience, that the student's reaction to remote learning has been better than expected. Now, that doesn't mean that we're going to have a huge number of people who want to be purely remote, but what we began even before COVID was a little bit of a hybrid model where some students, certainly not the majority or all of them, but some students, even who were in a traditional undergraduate college experience, found it useful to take one or two courses a semester online. And the reason is it's easy to schedule. It was easier for them to incorporate it in the rest of their day. And it created a little more variability in the environment. So they still had the social interaction of the college experience. They still had mentors in in in-person classes. But their schedule was perhaps a little bit easier because they incorporated some extent of hybrid learning. I'm not sure that higher education is going to go back to the way it was. In fact, most experts say it's not, um, because there are other things, there are advances that are being made in remote education, um, including personalized learning using artificial intelligence, where, for example, if there's a concept that comes easily to a student, you kind of sail through it, and if there's a, a concept that's more difficult, the, the remote learning experience can actually focus the education on what that student needs. That's coming in the future regardless. So I don't think we go back exactly to the way we were. But the marketplace often dictates things like this. And I would seem, and I don't know if this is the case with Turo, but it seems to me that nationwide there are so many students that you really look forward to the, you know, college campus experience. And, and, uh, you know, and there's a a specific value in that for them, uh, not just from an educational standpoint, but from a social standpoint. Um, Do we need to see how the marketplace reacts to all this before, you know, completely overhauling 
a college experience? So uh, I would say, of course, the answer is yes. And no one ever knows how the marketplace is exactly going to react, except perhaps Jeff Bezos. But uh, but but um, predictions are that we're not going to be exactly the same. And I want to clarify, I'm not saying that people aren't going to go to a bricks-and-mortar college right. and aren't going to have a college experience. But what I am saying is that we may incorporate more remote experiences in that learning. For example, Harvard College for a while had students on campus in the dormitory rooms but had all their classes remote right? because they wanted students to have the social on-campus experience, even though, of course, it was mitigated by distance learning, and that model didn't last very long because of COVID. But the idea was we want the on-campus experience, but we can incorporate components of remote learning, and use it, particularly, as I said, using artificial intelligence. And that's what I see as the future. Whether that happens in six months or a year or five years, it's not clear. And, and again, I'm not suggesting that college goes away or that on campus experiences go away, but that just that they may look a little different. Based on what you're telling us, you must be sitting with your staff remotely or not right now and, and thinking in you know many different directions. You know, if, if things happen in the following way in the first half of 20, 2021, we're going to you know go in this direction. If things happen between now and the fall a certain other way, we may go in that direction. You're, you're really preparing, I would guess, for a lot of different eventualities. Yeah, it's been both exhilarating and kind of difficult. Yeah, frustrating. Uh, but <laughs> But but um, the important thing, I think we're at a time of disruption, and the important thing at a time of disruption is to be flexible and to be able to both be proactive and reactive, and that's what we're trying to do at Turo. And you know we have we have um, different components to Turo, uh, the Jewish education learning component, the Smicha programs. We don't expect those to change in a significant way. Right. But the rest of the experiences. Um, you know, even, as I said, even before COVID, so many of these things were happening. We were incorporating remote learning as part of bricks-and-mortar experiences. Medical schools, for example, we run five medical schools. Medical schools all over the country uh, are moving to much more interactive learning, going away from the sit-in-the-classroom lecture model. So there have been changes that have been going on in higher education. I think the COVID pandemic is going to accelerate those changes. Yeah, you mentioned medicine. Turo is a national leader in medical and healthcare education. Uh, doctors, pharmacists, physician assistants, occupational therapists, physical therapists, the categories go on and on, and it's in the thousands in each one. Um, with, with all that in mind, and we've heard about you know uh, the Fauci effect, do you anticipate that your medical and healthcare education is going to increase significantly in the next year or two? Well, there's two issues. Um, one is the number of students applying, and in medical school, that has skyrocketed. Wow. Uh, this year, our MD program, New York Medical College, has over 14,000 applicants for 210 spaces. Wow. Um, which is an increase of about 25% mm. or 30% over where we were last year. How long that will last, we don't know, but there's been a huge increase in applications. Um, as far as supply is concerned, predictions are still that we'll need more physicians in the United States. Um, there are a lot of resources required to educate physicians, so ramping up quickly is not an option. It has to be carefully planned, and we've got to make sure that we have the clinical experiences for students. So we're looking at expanding. Um, we expanded our 
class size in Henderson, Nevada, just outside of Vegas a couple of years ago, and we're looking at other expansions, but it's a carefully planned out process that takes years. So it's not that's not going to happen in a year or two. Right. I would think things are a little bit different than when you first entered the medical field. Things are a little bit different in this country. Also, some people tend to tell the next generation uh, some of the negative things that are associated with their industry. Would you highly recommend uh, to those young people that are looking in 2020 and 2021 to enter the medical field, you, would you highly recommend it to them? Uh, what I would say is that uh, you should go into health care if it's a passion. Mm. It's not easy. Particularly, uh, you know, we've seen tremendous stress on healthcare providers, not just physicians, but nurses on the front lines, PAs, EMTs. There have been tremendous stresses on healthcare providers um, in the last uh, year, and those have been building up over time. So it's great, it's a great service to be able to help people. you know, but there's tremendous Masiras Nefesh that's needed. There's tremendous dedication. Um, and, you know, some of the uh, other benefits of being a physician, which is possessing unique knowledge and uh, working independently and having a very high chance of economic success, those are diminishing with changes in medicine in the United States. Right. So my advice is go into healthcare if you love it. It's a, it's a tremendous profession, a tremendous way of helping people. Uh, but don't do it just because it's there. Have you heard because from... It's tough. Yeah, that's for sure. Have, have you heard from alumni who are now doctors and nurses about their experiences during COVID-19? Have you heard specific stories from those who you remember as students? Um, we've certainly heard a lot of stories, and we've heard a lot of stories from our current students. Um, and um, it's been stressful. There's no question it's been stressful. People are scared. Um, Medical education and resident education was disrupted in a major way. And um, we tried to figure out how to balance education with the dangers of COVID. Um, And seeing people uh, previously healthy die, huge numbers of people in the ICU with little to do to help them, Right. has a psychological impact, uh, tremendously needed, tremendous overextended work hours because hospitals were swamped. It's been tough. I can imagine the type of, uh, of consultations, I want to be careful which word I use, consultations that doctors and nurses, especially the young ones, need just to be able to talk about their experiences and to understand that to a degree this is you know this is the industry right i mean you could attest to that this is this is the industry and this happens once in a while in terms of the volume and in terms of severity uh, but at the same time you don't want this, them to be scarred for life and you know in terms of staying in this profession so we're trying to do the best we can with psychological support uh but the other thing of course that we have to recognize is you mentioned it happens from time to time not really um we've never seen anything like this even during yeah. the height uh, of the AIDS epidemic, we never saw hospitals and ICUs swamped in this way. Right. Um, and you know, we there were there was a short period when we didn't understand how AIDS was transmitted, where things were pretty frightening. Um, there was a little bit of a different response that time, at that time, which was interesting. Um, you know, I trained during the start uh, of AIDS developing. 
um, and no one would even consider pulling medical students from clinical care because they were afraid of taking care of AIDS patients. Right. Um, we had a very different reaction at this point. Uh, students were immediately pulled. Things were a little bit different because hospitals were swamped and education was tough, and there were some places that lacked PPE. Uh, but it was an interesting uh, and, and difficult situation, figuring out how to get students trained and how to protect them, but also make them understand that uh, as a physician or a healthcare provider, you're, you have a huge obligation to your patients. What a time we're living in. The education system completely uh, <laughs> different than what we uh, had been used to. The medical system different than what we've been used to. And you're very involved in both. <laughs> and, and no doubt other areas of your life have been affected as well, uh, like all of us. Uh, but those are two main areas that have been so dominant uh, in terms of this whole COVID-19 episode. Uh, it's pretty remarkable. Thank God uh, those of us have, who survived have survived to this point, and now we just have to get to the point where uh, the country has herd immunity and we're able to get back to a normal existence, please, God. Yeah, I just close by saying we're at a time of great hope but also great danger. Yeah. Um, cases around the United States are at record highs. People are dying. Um, and the fact that the vaccine is becoming available, although it's going to be a few months before it's generally available, the fact that the vaccine is becoming available is all the more reason to redouble our efforts to be careful. Because if we were looking at an unlimited amount of time having to deal with COVID years and years and years, you can say, listen, I can't stop my life forever. But now we're talking about a few months. So my message is wear masks, stay isolated, be careful because help's on the way. You don't have to live like this forever. Yeah, well said. Uh, Dr. Alan Kadish is president of Turo College and University System. Information about uh, everything having to do with Turo at Turo.edu, Turo.edu. I thank you for your comments regarding the uh, vaccine. I hope that will allay some fears out there. And I thank you so much for joining us this morning on JM in the AM. My pleasure. Great to talk to you as always. Dr. Alan Kadish, again, go to Turo.edu for information about all of this, especially if you do want to explore something in the medical field or any of the uh, areas of expertise when it comes to a Turo education. Tuesday morning broadcast, and this is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program, heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NahumSiegel.com and the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Ich lach nur 
Tuesday morning. Maishi Tischler and company with that amazing medley. Tuesday morning broadcast. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. The um, One Israel Fund event is tonight. Starts at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Go to oneisraelfund.org, oneisraelfund.org, um, slash we are one, oneisraelfund.org, slash we are one. Also, their uh, big uh, uh, crowdfunding campaign is going on. They have a $360,000 goal. They're 14 and a half hours away from the ending, and they're already at 242000 so keep that going. And um, we look forward to speaking to you tonight from the uh, One Israel Fund Virtual Gala. Should be very cool. I hope you'll all be a part of it, and I hope you'll all be uh, logged in to enjoy. Our friends at ShopEichlers.com, our friends at ShopEichlers.com remind you that iKeepa, 
The iKeepa sale that everyone's talking about ends today. This is the final day of the iKeepa sale, 20% off on all of the iKeepas, and there are a lot of them. Really good-looking, really fun. Uh, check it out. Go online, shopiclers.com, shopiclers.com. And remember, shopiclers.com offers you same-day delivery to Borough Park, Flatbush, Williamsburg, Crown Heights, Staten Island, Queens, Five Towns, Far Rockaway, Muncie, Monroe, Teaneck, Lakewood, Thomas River, Jackson, New Jersey. Same-day delivery. Details, shopiclers.com. Again, go to shopiclers.com and enjoy. More coming up here at JM and the AM. A reminder, next week... Women's League, Makar Disability Services, will be our focus for the big Sunday night event right in the middle of their crowdfunding campaign. On Sunday night, we get to do a, a two-hour live presentation with great entertainment, Benny Friedman and Joey Newcomb, and uh, a lot of education about the work that um, that Women's League, Makar Disability Services does. You can go for information to makardisabilityservices.org. MarkHardDisabilityServices.org. With us live via telephone, Dr. Stephen Glicksman, Director of Clinical Innovation at Makar. Dr. Glicksman, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nakam. Thank you so much for having me back. A pleasure to speak with you. Great to have you back. Well, look, Makar uh, Women's League's been around for a very, very long time, doing wonderful things in our community. How would you sum it up? How would you uh, introduce to people what Women's League, Makar Disability Services, does in our community. So Makar started 42 years ago, 1978, um, with the dream of one woman, Mrs. Jean Warman, who wanted to make life for families with children with intellectual and developmental disabilities in the Jewish community easier. She began with one group home for eight men in Borough Park, half of whom were survivors just coming out of the of the horrors of the institutions. We've since grown into an award-winning lifespan social services organization. We have about 35 residences, uh, ranging from our home for medically frail infants all the way to our geriatric facility for seniors with intellectual disabilities. We have homes for men and for homes for women, homes for teens. We have married couples apartments. We have a supportive employment program, a community habilitation program that brings staff into people's homes so they, so they don't necessarily need to um, avail themselves to our residential services. We have an early intervention program for infants, an ABA center. We have a groundbreaking Day Habilitation Without Walls program that we literally opened for individuals that couldn't be served or who were frankly kicked out of other programs because of the severity of their challenges. And we have our McCord College Experience program in partnership with Yeshiva University that we're just so proud of and that is breaking down barriers every day. Now you know why we need a two-hour program on Sunday night in order to get through all of the things that Makar is doing in our community. Simply amazing, that list. Um, when you talk about the residences, are they all in Brooklyn, all in New York? Where are they located? So our residences are currently in Brooklyn, all over Brooklyn, right. um, in Borough Park and Seagate and Crown Heights. We're in the midst now of, of um, applying for uh, services in New Jersey. So we hope very soon to be able to provide uh, the Makor level of care in New Jersey. Um, to people who need us there. You know, all of the different programs you mentioned, every one of those could be its own separate organization. You realize that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you talk about all the different uh, groups that you're serving, and we're talking about uh, there are actually organizations out there that would be you know, dedicated to that one 
specific group. It's amazing how much is under one roof at uh, McCord Disability Services. Tell me how COVID-19 has impacted the day programs and then even, I, I would guess, more acutely has uh, has affected the uh, the residences. So COVID has hit us hard. Um, we did have to, uh, aside from the fact that um, many of the programs that our residents go to during the day because because we do avail ourselves with uh, you know to the programs of many of our sister agencies right. so when those day programs closed Macor was now responsible for providing 24-hour services even for the people who who typically go off to other programs right. so that was a, a huge expense and then like everybody else in the community and and in the country and in the world, we did, you know, have our share of people who unfortunately uh, contracted COVID-19, some of whom uh, were unfortunately nifter. We had uh, one student in particular, Sadia Ehrenpreis, sure. who, um, who was a, a founding student of our Marquardt College Experience Program. Yeah, we knew and, Sadia very well. Yeah, and, uh, and that, that hit us uh, quite hard. Um, are you able, to, ma- are, are you able yeah, to maintain? Thank- are you able to maintain a staff during COVID? I mean, I guess one of the things that the you know the regular staff at the residences would be afraid of, obviously, is uh, you know being with other people during the pandemic. But at the same time, you need supervision for residences. That must have been a very difficult balance to strike at that time. Our staff has gone so beyond what you would think is humanly possible in terms of care, in terms of commitment. And we saw this, you know, in all, in all of our years, we saw this when there was, you know, a blizzard and we had staff who couldn't get in and couldn't get home. And we had staff just on for 24-hour shifts um, who just stayed way past their, you know, official time was, was over uh, because we needed them. So, too, during COVID, we had... Um, we had staff just plugging away, helping people, uh, making sure that, uh, that everybody was socially distanced, that everybody was wearing masks, that we followed all the protocols. Um, and then when, unfortunately, we had people hospitalized, uh, one of the services that we provide that, that isn't funded you know, by, uh, by the state, we, we, even our funded programs are only funded to about 95%. Right. So, you know, if we provide somewhere around $36 million worth of funded services, that still leaves, you know, one and three-quarter million dollars that we have to raise just to provide the funded services. But on top of that, there's so many unfunded services that we provide, and one of them is that we really make sure that none of our residents are ever hospitalized for any reason alone. So... um, so whereas the state would say, once somebody's in the hospital, you no longer need to provide staff for them, we know that care in hospitals isn't necessarily as, uh, as high level when you don't have a family member there. And our residences, our residents are our, are our family. So we make sure to have staff there even though we uh, don't necessarily get support for that from, from other sources. And, of course, now it's uh, even more difficult to to get people to accompany people to hospitals, but that's something that I'm sure your staff worked out. Yeah, and we really had to advocate and really needed to, to fight for people who couldn't speak up for themselves. Um, it was a challenge. It, it, it remains a challenge, but, uh, but thank God our, our staff is really committed. Our nursing staff, all of our homes have, uh, have a, a private doctor that's affiliated with them, um, 
So when, you know, when you look at emergency room services, for example, we don't use so many emergency room services like many other agencies do because all of our residents have private doctors that they have a relationship with. So, um, so that also helps in terms of our relationship with the different hospitals that we use. Uh, our, our medical team has really gone above and beyond during this crisis. Unbelievable the way people have responded to this. Yeah, just unbelievable. Dr. Stephen Glixman is with us. He's Director of Clinical Innovation at MACAR, MACARDisabilityServices.org, MACARDisabilityServices.org. You know it is Women's League as well from years ago. Those of you out there, get ready for a uh, wonderful program this coming Sunday night beginning at 8 p.m. Smack in the middle of the crowdfunding campaign that MACAR is undertaking, and I hope everybody will be generous and support them. It's going to be January the 3rd and January the 4th, Sunday and Monday, but right in the middle On Sunday night, we host a two-hour event with a lot of information, a lot of inspiration, and a lot of entertainment. Joey Newcomb and Benny Friedman are going to be part of the program this coming Sunday night. So everyone make sure to tune in starting at 8 p.m. And on on Sunday, that's number one. And number two, support the work of MACOR by going to MACORDisabilityServices.org and participating. By the way, I noticed that there's a Sadia Aaron Price Memorial Endowment Fund. That's one way for people to give. And obviously, uh, we're encouraging everyone to give when the crowdfunding campaign uh, begins on a Sunday morning. Uh, so keep that in mind. Uh, Dr. And Gl- that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Dr. and I'll just I'll you know, say that Sadia Aaron Price Memorial Fund also goes directly to the McCor College Experience Program at Yeshiva University, Great. and particularly to help people from out of state who don't get funding to go there. People from New Jersey, we get tons of calls from people um, from New Jersey. We've had students from Chicago that uh, that aren't necessarily funded to be there, and and who we need to provide scholarships for. Otherwise, it would just be um, you know impossible for people to attend. So that is a great way to, uh, to help people really live out dreams that they, that they wouldn't be able to otherwise without, without Makor. Well, I've seen that program up close and personal, and it's amazing, frankly. And by the way, the, the staff and counselors of that program, also amazing. I've seen them, I've seen them operate uh, literally in front of my eyes, and they're incredible. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the crowdfunding address, everybody, is charity.com slash Makor, C-H-A, R-I-D-Y, charity.com slash Makar, charity.com slash Makar. Dr. Glixman, you're Director of Clinical Innovation. I mean, you, you, you pay careful attention, obviously, to the progress that the residents and the, those that you're servicing make on a regular basis. I mean, I would have to assume that there was a fear that this whole pause in life over the last few months could affect development in certain people. We know the fear that we have in, in regular situations with children, you know, who, who we wonder, you know, what what's all this... Zoom education, remote learning going to do or not do for them, you know, as they develop. I mean, you must have had great concern about the uh, the the general direction uh, that um, that your residents uh, and those you serve were making in the area of education and therapies, etc. Am I right about that? Totally. It was really hard. Um, and, and again, when you talk about uh, people in day programs that, that were closed, where people having Zoom programs for just a couple of hours a day as yeah. opposed to a full day, uh, people who couldn't leave the house, and families. You know, when somebody, when somebody uh, who has a child, or you know, be it a child child or an adult child uh, with uh, specialized needs, and they give the care for their loved one over to an agency, 
So the relationship between the agency and the family is so important. And when the guidelines came down that, that we weren't allowed to have visitors in the homes and that families couldn't come see their loved ones necessarily, it was just so hard for the, for the service participants, for the families, for the staff, for, for everybody to, uh, to get through. And then as things changed and you started to have, you know, visitations through windows and then you had right. visitations directly outside and 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 people not being able to go home for the for the holidays for the hagim because if they went home for a two-day rosh hashanah they would have to be uh quarantined for two weeks did any of this change drastically was there a month or i don't know was it during the summer or after yontiv when when things started to behave a little bit more normally in terms of people going places and uh, and being in a program every day so so uh, a few months ago, um, I think things started opening up again, and then you know, and then you know, you get declared a red zone, and then somebody right. gets, uh, you know, somebody has uh, has uh, exposure to someone, and then the house is quarantined, et cetera, et cetera, you know, or a program closes down for a couple of days, and everybody's back on Zoom. Um, it is, you know, thank God, getting getting better and getting easier, but we're living with this sort of day to day: what's going to happen next? And and who from England is going to come in to, to, to the airport yeah. and and deliver a package that would suddenly we get contact tracing that says everybody has to sit home for ten days? It's a it's a harrowing time for everybody. Uh, with all that in mind, I know usually uh, Makar Disability Services turns to the community for support, but boy, it sounds like now. Uh, they really need the support of the community, and I hope people will come through. Remember, everybody, this coming Sunday night at 8 p.m., we'll be doing a live show. Joey Newcomb and Benny Friedman are part of it, plus we'll have an opportunity to really speak and, and, and delve more into the details of what uh, Women's League Makar is doing on a daily basis and why it's so important for the community to support them. You can go right now to charity.com slash Makar, C-H-A-R-I-D-Y dot com slash Makar. And again, the crowdfunding campaign will begin Sunday morning on Sunday night right in the middle of the campaign. We'll be doing the live show, and Dr. Glixman, I know that <laughs> I know that you're you're certainly going to hesitate to uh, disagree with me, uh, but uh, when I say that um, uh, that the community needs to respond to my car now more than ever, that would be accurate. Yeah, hundred percent, a hundred percent. It's been a very trying year for everybody I know, yeah. but uh, but our 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 service participants, our families, our programs really need need help as we as we again try to expand into New Jersey where funding isn't as uh, as high to begin with. If you want to continue providing that Macor level of services to more and more people, uh, yeah, we really we re- really appreciate the community's the community's help. Thank you very, very much for joining us. Uh, good luck to you, me, and everybody on Sunday night, and good luck to Makar, Women's League Makar Disability Services, and the big crowdfunding campaign, which begins on Sunday morning. Dr. Stephen Glixman is Director of Clinical Innovation at Makar. Thank you so much, Doctor, and I look forward to a very successful event for Makar. Thank you. Thank you so much for, for hosting it, and thank you for uh, allowing us to spread the word. And looking forward to Sunday night. It'll be more fun than human beings should be allowed to have. <laughs> well said. And it'll include Joey Newcomb and Benny Friedman, so that, that alone tells us it's going to be a lot of fun. 20 minutes after 8 o'clock, more coming up. It's J.M. and the A.M.
Simcha Liner, name of that one is Proizdor here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard uh, Yaakov Shweki's Hine Anochi. Tuesday morning, JM in the AM. This portion of NSN programming brought to you by our incredible friends at A&H. Abel's and Hyman makes traditional, delicious kosher delicacies, pastrami, corned beef, salami, and more. Old world classics, delicious beef fry kishka, and more. And a modern, better for you kosher products, including... No nitrate added, reduced fat, and reduced sodium hot dogs, plus many other delicious and unique items. Visit the website, kosherdogs.net. Try A&H today. You'll be glad you did. When you visit kosherdogs.net, take a 10% discount with promo code RADIO. 
10% discount with promo code radio. One Israel Fund event is tonight. How disconnected do you feel from the Holy Land? Tonight we have a chance to feel connected. Mazal tov to all the honorees. We'll recognize them tonight, of course. Uh, I have the honor of hosting tonight, starting at 8 p.m. The event will feature Elizabeth Savetsky, God Elbaz, Naftali Bennett, Caroline Glick, many others. All starts at 8 p.m. Go to oneisraelfund.org slash are one oneisraelfund.org slash are one oneisraelfund.org slash are one Their crowdfunding campaign began uh, a few hours ago. They're already at 246000 Wow. What a job, everybody. <laughs> um, and again, we'll be there 8 o'clock tonight. And... Um, We'll have the virtual gala online, and uh, everybody out there hopefully will uh, respond accordingly. If you haven't made the reservation yet, go to oneisraelfund.org slash one and get in that reservation. Well, today is the 29th of December, so according to my calculation, there's about, let's see, about, um, I'm trying to calculate this, <laughs> about 60 hours left to the year. So if there's about 60 hours left to the year, you have about 60 hours left to make a year-end donation, a year-end payment, uh, to um, to make a year-end adjustment. All these things under the category of taxes and accounting. And that's why we turn to the chairman of our Dubai trip and the person who has been recommending things for people to keep in mind during the last couple of weeks of the year. Mr. Ralph Rosenbaum. You could reach him, by the way, at 1-800-TAX-CPA-2, 1-800-TAX-CPA-2, or taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com. Mr. Rosenbaum, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Nachum. Thank you for having me on the show this morning. Did you see the photograph that we sent you of you standing in front of one of those tax machines in Dubai? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. Very, very amazed by that. Very amazed by that. Yeah. Society, <laughs> very good. Societies handle these things differently, huh? I guess. I, I totally yes. If you have a tax machine, you want to pay some money, you leave. That's that's what they're doing. Uh, let me say one thing about Dubai. I have a lot of people ask me how was it, and so forth, and so on. I have my young Israel East Brunswick, or I'm a member of, as how was Dubai, and I say to them, and. The people I'm speaking to now probably know, but the people who speak, who listen to you on an occasional basis, which I'm surprised they do, I say, go to the archives, listen to what happened for the three days. You'll get an understanding of what was going on there. Yeah, that was so, a comprehensive, incredible three days. And, correct. Um, we learned a lot. We learned a yes, lot in those three days, and to be there in that uh, in that environment over that time was just amazing. Anyway, everybody out there, take Ralph Rosenbaum's suggestion. If you're wondering about what happened in Dubai, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, the 8th, 9th, and 10th of December, check out those archives of JM and the AM, the 8th, 9th, and 10th of December. Again, check out the archives. Go to NahumSiegel.com or hit the NSN app and just start listening. And if you can only listen to one show, this is hard for me to say, but... You know, I'm not even going to do it. I'm not going to make a suggestion if you can only listen to one show. Listen to all of them. <laughs> Simple as that. Go one at a time. The 8th, 9th, and 10th of December. 
Uh, Mr. Rosenbaum, this is crunch time. 60 hours left to the year. There are people who are wondering what to do, how to handle their finances. Should they, in fact, give something to a not-for-profit organization now, 60 hours before the end of the year? Should they Should they not have a need to? People just need to, There are a lot of people like myself who are completely up in the air about all this. Can you give us a little, uh, a little perspective on what people should keep in mind a couple of days before the end of the year? Yes, I can. First of all, let me let me say something. I am a CPA. I am also a, a PFS, which is a personal financial specialist. Right. What I believe I believe in savings, and I, that's how I used to help my clients. Um, the best way there's a couple of things, but let's do about the easiest way. People, you probably have gotten in the mail. Give to this charity. Give to that charity. You're allowed to give. You're allowed to give to charity before the end of the year. It's called bunch it all up, get as much as you can. If you itemize deductions, you're allowed to take up to the amount of your adjusted gross income. If you are taking the standard deduction for this year, you're allowed to take $300 off the top. Next year, they make it to be $300 per individual. So next year, but we're not going to talk about 2021, next year, if it's $300 per individual, in other words, if you're married filing jointly, you can take $600 on a standard deduction. Right. This year, it's only $300 per tax return. Um, one other thing, the best way to give is one of the ways to give is give it to the Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting. Woo. So now, now I'm going to give, I know there are people out in, in this audience, Nachum, who's making a million dollars. Wouldn't it be great if a million dollars came into the Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting? Yes. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Yes. I don't know how you pulled that number out of a hat, but are you kidding? That would be an amazing <laughs> donation. Well, Right, let's put it this way. If it's 500, a million, whatever it is, <laughs> and you're able to do it, by all means, by all means, by all means, do it. Now, so that, what, that, that is a good way. Now, Go aside from the uh, the standard and itemized deductions, and again, that's something that people should consult with you or their attorney or their accountant, etc. Are there any other important things that people need to keep in mind during the last week of the year? Yes. If you're self-employed, if you run your own business, do you have a retirement plan? You have a SEP, a Simplified Employee Retirement Plan, a solo 401k. You can save money on taxes and save money for retirement, both at the same time. Because if you have a SEP, which is a Simplified Employee Retirement Plan, you could put up to 20% of your net income away for retirement. Uncle Sam is nice to you and will let you show it as a deduction on your taxes. Therefore, you'll reduce your taxability, really reduce the tax you pay. That's, that is an excellent way to do it, and I totally recommend that to my clients, and I work with them on where to put the money, uh, which funds we should use, and so on, and therefore, I am doing two things. I'm saying, hey, we save money, and at the same time, let's see where we can put the money in order for it to grow. Got it. You also right. you also mentioned and, when you were with us um, uh, last week, you mentioned something about uh, both parents and grandparents Right. Keeping in mind something having to do with education and the cost of education. What can you tell us about that? that that's correct. That's called a 529 plan. The 529 plan basically is a savings plan for college. Let's use that word for a moment. You, in other words, you can put money into it. It'll grow. When you take it out for college, you don't have to pay taxes on it. That's wonderful. However, because of the CARES Act, it now have changed it to be for private elementary and private high schools. Right. And I'm basically talking to you about yeshivas. So think of it. Your child, your, your child goes to yeshiva, a, high, a, a high, private high school yeshiva, you can take that money and pay for 
pay for the tuition without paying tax on what on what the money. In other words, my apologies. In other words, the money can grow. It grows to a certain amount. You can take it and pay for tuition. Period. What I love about it. What I love about it is a perfect plan for grandparents. Grandparents can be the greatest bubby and zadies they want to be. <laughs> they, I'm serious. The greatest bubby and zadies they want to be. They go. Here, Kendall, I'm giving you money for your kids' kids' schooling. Here it is. They're saving money. They're, they are saving money. They are saving money because if you're a New York State, if you have to file a New York State return, on New York State you're allowed to take a deduction for the amount you invest. So think of it. You put money into the 529 plan. On New York State you're allowed to save money on your taxes. It grows tax-free. And then, boom, your, your children love you because you're, they're paying – you're paying for their grandkids. You're paying for their kids to go to go to go to Yeshiva. It's a pleasure. It, go, it works three day, three different ways. Now, everything you just mentioned is only New York State, or just that last piece? Only, only the last piece. Only the last piece. All right. So that's right. Basically, you can have basically if you live in New Jersey and you're sending somebody, and I just know New Jersey better because that's where I'm from. Uh, if you send the child to Kushner, for example, I'll throw them a plug. But if you send a child to Kushner, it would be. It would, they would not be a deduction on the New Jersey return, only on the New York State return. So basically it is for people who have W-2s in New York State or uh, have, are self-employed in New York State, but they have to file a New York State form, whether a resident or a non-resident. Got it. Ralph Rosenbaum is with us. You can reach him at 1-800-TAX-CPA2. That's 1-800-TAX-CPA, the number two. You can also reach him at the tax taxcpa2.com, taxcpa2.com. In, in addition to being an accountant, he is a financial planner, and uh, you should take advantage of the uh, service that he provides uh, because if you are, are ready to deal with your money responsibly, he has many, many suggestions. By the way, one of his suggestions, since we are this close to the end of the calendar year, one of his suggestions is that if you have the capability of giving a year-end donation, he's recommending you go to fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org and make a uh, final days of the year donation to JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network. You can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Be as generous as you can. And I want to thank, by the way, we've gotten both by mail and by uh, fjbunity.org uh, a bunch of uh, donations over the last week or two, and I want to thank everybody who's been responding. It is much, much appreciated. Uh, Ralph, I think what I said earlier might be a, a really important point as people start 2021. Those who've, um, who did not enjoy the haphazard way they're dealing with their income and finances, if they're ready to get serious, someone like yourself could be very helpful in the new year. Yes, I, I, hopefully, hopefully they can. There's one, other, two, uh, one last thing sure. that people can do for the year end. It's harvest capital gains and losses. All of a sudden, you've done very well in the market, and you say, you know, I don't want to pay tax on this. I have to get a loss. You have to offset the two. The, the point is, I do this the entire year through a thing called Tax Smart Investing, TSI, because every financial decision that we do has tax implications. And I work with clients uh, who can I work with clients who successfully navigate both the ups and downs on the market as well as the ever-changing roles that taxes play in their financial plan. So everything that somebody does has to do with taxes. So you get the person like myself who does taxes, does financial planning. It's a one-stop shop. That, that, is, that is perfect. Very interesting. And the best, way to call up, the best way to find out about any of these programs is to call me. 
call my office and talk to me. And believe it or not, I don't bite. And <laughs> I, I don't bite. It sounds like sometimes, Nachum can tell you sometimes I'll lose it, but no, <laughs> I don't bite. Um, the, other, the other thing is, if you're interested, I'm very serious. If you're interested, I have it. I'm offering a guide to your financial, a guide, a guide, your, a, a guide for your emergency fund. How much is enough? Give me a call or email me at Ralph at TaxiPA2.com. Get on my mailing list. I will send this stuff. I will send this information to you. And very interesting, all the things we talked about today, um, all the things we talked about today, my clients know about, or anybody who's been on my mailing list has known about it. So if you want to find out about things before they happen and before I'm on the radio talking about it, by all means, email me and, and take, it, take it like that. By the way, uh, I'm on that mailing list, everybody, and uh, Ralph sends out almost on a daily basis a uh, uh, a bunch of important reminders. So take advantage. Uh, you can email Ralph at taxcpa2.com. Ralph at taxcpa2.com, and you too can enjoy uh, the tips that he gives out year round, uh, not just at the end of the year. That's Ralph at taxcpa2. .com, and you can go to the website, taxcpa2.com, or call 1-800-TAX-CPA2 uh, to explore all of these things further, especially, again, if you want to become a little bit more attentive to things in the year 2021. Ralph Rosenbaum, I, uh, I, I need to give a big thank you to those who over the last couple of weeks have given nice year-end donations to the uh, Nahum Siegel Network at fjbunity.org and by sending in uh, checks to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. And this does not surprise you because you've told me that a very large percentage of giving is done in the last couple of weeks of the year in this country. That is, that is correct. And what's very funny is this. If you uh, go to anywhere, but if you go to the Foundation of Jewish Broadcasting, put it on a credit card, you have until January to pay for it, oh, number good one. Right. You do. You have until January right. to pay for it. So. Right. So you and think of it this way: Yes, you're getting tax savings from Uncle Sam, but I assume you're using the credit card because you're getting points or cash back. Right. So therefore, you're saving money that way. And for all the people who, the older people out there, maybe I'll put myself in that category. Maybe I won't. But who rather write a check? As long as that check is dated December 31st and it's mailed December 31st, it's still a tax deduction for December, for for this coming for this past year. So Fantastic. think of that. Boy, you're you're giving a lot of good advice, and a lot of good and a, good, a lot of good reasons for people to give, and those are financial reasons. Forget all the other important reasons why people should give to fjbunity.org if they enjoy what they hear every single day. Ralph Rosenbaum, I thank you. Let's make it a good end of 2020 for all of us, and a good start to 2021 for all of us. Amen. The best to you, to everybody on the staff. The best to everybody listening. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. A pleasure. And remember what Ralph said after he chaired the Dubai event. If you want to hear about it, if you want to know what he experienced, what we all experienced, if you haven't heard the shows yet, go listen to them. December 8th, 9th, and 10th. Go listen to them. December 8th, 9th, and 10th. Ralph Rosenbaum, available at 1-800-TAX-CPA2 or taxcpa2.com. And we suggest you email him. Get on the list so you get these tips on a daily basis. It's uh, ralph at taxcpa2.com. Ralph at taxcpa2.com. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. at Schleimy Dax. Altira is the name of that one. Uh, before that, you heard the Moshav bands with Light the Way here at the J.M. in the A.M. And the Mordechai and David had Lo Ira Ra. Uh, those of you who have not yet given, please give and be as generous as possible. It's the year end, final couple of days before the uh, end of the calendar year. A lot of people like to uh, give and Get the tax deduction, etc. It's um, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Please uh, be as generous as possible. Simple as that. fjbunity.org. 
And, of course, uh, I thank you, and everybody here thanks you. Uh, oh, drop early. Whoa. So let, me remind, let me remind everybody. Let me remind everybody that tonight, starting at 8 p.m., we're going to be with our friends at the One Israel Fund. Go to oneisraelfund.org slash weareone. Oneisraelfund.org slash weareone. Oneisraelfund.org slash weareone. And, um, you know, be as... Uh, be as generous as possible with our friends at One Israel Fund, but also enjoy and be inspired by the virtual gala, which will connect us to the Holy Land. Um, something we have not had the opportunity to do for quite a while, to say the least. So again, oneisraelfund.org slash we are one. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSiegel.com, the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, in the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing Tuesday here at JM in the AM. Plenty more tomorrow starting at 6 a.m. JM Rewind coming up, album of the week, whole bunch of stuff, uh, including Avrami and a live lunch at 11 o'clock. By the way, Avrami's sitting in for me on Thursday with Avrami's favorites of 2020. Thursday's live lunch will be Avrami's favorites of 2020. Doesn't that open up a can of worms? <laughs> so that's going to be happening on Thursday's live lunch. He'll, of course, uh, conduct the live lunch starting today at 11 a.m. Make sure to be tuned in. Have a fabulous Tuesday. Till tomorrow, Malcolm Siegel reminding you, remember to past, live the present, and trust the future.